Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. After some reshuffling, Jim Harbaugh's staff is set for the 2022 season. We run down the latest changes and share our thoughts. Plus, some Michigan hockey and hoops updates. All ahead on the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Aaron, welcome. Just a, a two-man pod today. Is Andrew is soaking up some sunshine down in Florida. But hey, look... Sunshine in Ann Arbor too. It says it's 22 degrees, but you know what? It looks pretty good out there. Yeah, looking like spring, maybe, but then I see the uh, snow still on the ground, and so you get it's like a stark reminder that nope, it's still winter. I know. Ho- hopefully, another month and a half. Late, late March. I want to have my first round of golf in. We'll we'll see. Let's hope that can happen. Yeah, football is officially done now in all capacity after the Super Bowl. But yeah, a lot of first. Did you win any Super Bowl bets? Yeah, I actually did pretty well. The profitable day on my bets, so I can't complain. It was profitable last year too, if I remember correctly. So everyone was profitable last year, my man. It was like the one week after the, or like a month after the launch, they were giving out so many promos, it was impossible to lose money. Yeah. Yeah, but I was also on the right side last year too. So, like so I, this year was weird because there was just so many prop bets. And but yeah, it was it was a good day. It was fun. It was a good game. You know, it wasn't it wasn't what we saw championship weekend, but it was it was a fun, entertaining game. It was close. It went down to the wire. It's really all you can ask for. Yeah, for sure. And a few Wolverines on on both team squads, so a little bit of a local connection there. And uh, but yeah, also on on the college level, Jim Harbaugh's staff is set this year, and some some notable changes, some subtle changes. Um, run us down what the, what the moves are and and where things stand at this point. Yeah, another another shuffle overhaul, I guess whatever you want to call it. A lot of changes here, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I, I think last time we recorded, we we mentioned the new defensive coordinator Jesse Minter. Uh, he has he has since been hired and he's officially on staff. Not a ton of changes on the the defensive side of the ball, but we'll get to those in a second. Let's turn on the offense because this is where most of the shuffling happened. When we'll start with the coordinator spots, you know, we talked about Josh Gaddis departing last week from Miami. Um, that opened up theoretically the offensive coordinator role. You know, Sharon Moore, it's important to keep in mind, Michigan's offensive line coach was co-OC last year. Uh, and there was no, no, you know, plan on that changing. So it was just a matter of what was going to happen, whether he was going to get the full job, whether he was going to do it with co with Matt Weiss. And that, in fact, is what's going to happen. Matt Weiss, Michigan's quarterbacks coach, uh, was promoted to co-OC. Uh, so it's going to be Sharon Moore and Matt Weiss calling the plays. In fact, Michigan made uh, specifically mentioned that in their press release. So if you're wondering if Jim Harbaugh is going to take back the play calling or whatever, that doesn't appear to be the case. It's going to be Sharon Moore and Matt Weiss. There was no indication that Sharon was totally involved with play calling last year. 
Uh, it was mainly, it sounds like it was mainly Josh Gaddis. I'm sure Jim Harbaugh had some input there, as, as we saw with the, how the offense played out. But this is going to be Sharon and Matt Stowe. I'm really curious to see how things shake out. We can get into that here in a minute once we get, once I run through the rest of the changes. But, you know, two younger guys on their way up in the college game. It's going to be fascinating to, to, to watch and kind of play out. Elsewhere on the offensive side of the ball, Ron Bellamy, who was on staff last year as Michigan safeties coach, he is moving over to coach the receivers. Now, you might remember when Over Ron, or back to coach? the receiver yeah yeah back i guess would be the more appropriate comment exactly and i was just gonna say you might remember when ron was hired to join the staff this time last year he was originally supposed to coach the receivers or at least help josh gaz coach the receivers but then you know things fell through on the, the coaching hires search and ron ended up being shifted over to the defensive side of the ball so he's back at receiver where he's in you know the intention was to have him coach last year and where um, he played too i've always been right. a big component of if i feel like guys who played a position can most more often than not coach that position better than, than positions they didn't play. I mean, obviously, yeah, you, you, you'd learn a little bit about defensive backs while you're a receiver stuff too, but I just always thought it, it made the most sense that to coach a position that, that you played. So yeah, it does seem like a, a, a good move there. So yeah. Yeah. It, ma- it makes sense. You know, it totally does. And, and, and keep in mind the receiver room is relatively experienced. They got a lot of, you know, uh, returning guys coming back next year. So it's not necessarily like you need a, you know, experienced veteran coach to coach that position because, you know, realistically, you got a lot of guys that already know what they're doing. Now it's about kind of motivating them and schematically finding the best spot for them. And I, I you know, Jim Harbaugh clearly has confidence Ron Bellamy. It's one of the reasons he hired him and is for obviously his recruiting prowess. Moving on, you know, Mike Hart will remain a running backs coach, but he's added the title of run game coordinator. So he's going to be kind of more heavily involved in orchestrating and kind of organizing what Michigan does from a run game perspective. Now he had input last year, Jerome Moore had some input in there and so did Matt Weiss. And I think it's one of the reasons why you saw Michigan emphasize the run game so much last year, but he's going to take the, the lead kind of in with that. Uh, would not surprise me if he got a pay raise out of that. But I think it was a way in a way to kind of keep him on staff. There have been reports that you know NFL teams were kind of chasing after him. Uh, maybe some folks were after him to be head coach. His name came up, I think, with a Temple job this offseason. So there was some outside interest in him. So I, I think if you're Jim Harbaugh, you've got to give him out of give him more responsibility and probably more money to keep on staff. I mean, Mike Hart isn't a guy you want to lose after you know after one season. Right. No, it, exactly. I mean, he, what he was able to do with the running backs, his ties with Michigan, he, he's still young in the coaching game too. He definitely seems like a, a guy, a lot like Sherell Moore, that that you want to make happy and, and allow him to t- t- continue to grow with you and not with someone else. Yeah, exactly. And the the, no, the new addition on the offensive coaching staff, the new name on staff this year is Grant Newsom. For, for those of you that followed the program the last couple of years, you probably recognize his name. Former offensive lineman, he ended up Kind of his career ended up being basically derailed by a career-ending knee injury. So he's he's been on staff the last couple of years as a graduate assistant. So he's been around the program for a while. He's someone who Jim Harbaugh has hailed in the past. He thinks you know Grant's not only a smart dude but a you know a future coach. He's been promoted to a full-time coach. He's in a coach of tight ends, a group that you know as we've mentioned in weeks past, it's going to be another veteran experienced group. So I think Grant's going to be able to grow with them and, and, you know, kind of lead that group. Now, where that leads tight ends coach Jay Harbaugh, they're moving him over to the defense. Jay is going to remain special teams coach or special teams coordinator, but he's also going to coach the safeties. He is one of the new additions, I guess you could say, to the defensive coaching staff. Now, Jay's been, he's been around the block a few times. Swiss army knife, Jay Harbaugh. Literally, yeah. I mean, he's coached safeties, he's coached tight ends, he's coached running backs. I think I hit them all, but he's, I mean, he's, he's been on staff since Jim got here. 
He's one of the only guy I think left remaining, and he's he's going back to the defensive side of the ball. You know that would be interesting because safeties they they've got some development, some work to do. I'm really curious to see how Jay does with that. He did a fantastic job not only with the tight ends last year, but I thought with special teams. I mean, Michigan to make the case, it's probably one of the better special teams units you know the Big Ten in the country. So he's staying on staff, just moving the defensive side of the ball. And then the, the rest of the defensive staff is pretty much what we've, you know, we've discussed in the past. Mike Elston, the new defensive line coach, is remaining, obviously. Dean Klinkscale is still going to coach at DBs. He's been promoted to co-defensive coordinator. Now, that that was in his contract last year. Michigan's passing defense uh, ranked, I think it was top 20th in the country in yards allowed. He automatically received that, that title and the pay raise, where Michigan, I think, finished like 18 or 19th. Klinkscale is going to be co-DC. Uh, with Jesse Minter, I, I, I presume Klinkso kind of organized the back, you know, the back end of things, like kind of like he did last year with Mike McDonald. I don't think it's going to necessarily change much from his, you know, his responsibility standpoint, but it's a new title and, and it's going to give him a pay raise too. George Tilo's your main linebackers coach. And then obviously the, the new name here, obviously, is Jesse Minter, the new D coordinator. Just got, he just officially was hired last week, joined the staff, and he's got some work to do here. Yeah, yeah, a lot of work to do. I mean, with with all these changes, though, the, the one thing I, I'm looking forward to the most is, is talking with Sharon Moore and, and Matt Weiss and kind of get their vision for this offense. How how, what the logistics are going to be like. I mean, I, when, when, when he says that both are going to be calling plays, I mean, it, it's tough. Like, how, how, how is that decided? Like, does someone get first and second down? Someone get third down? Does someone get, like, the first quarter then the second quarter? If someone's calling a good game, they, do they just kind of take over for the rest of the game? Like, I, I feel like that could create a little bit of conflict in, on there. And, and when, when you're calling plays, you want them to have one or two call, plays in, in the hopper, too, before, um, before the next play is even snapped, too. So if you're mixing it up a lot, it could get a little bit confusing. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. And I, I obviously when, when Gaddis was hired, he brought that the speed and space monitor with him. And um, obviously that kind of wasn't really the case last year with last year's offense, which was effective. Just it wasn't really built on that, that speed and space style that, that Gaddis probably envisioned. So it really, really intrigued to, to talk with them and, and see how, uh, how they plan uh, on handling these these offensive coordinator duties? Because they'll have plenty of weapons to work with. It's just a matter of how they plan on deploying them. Yeah, I'm I'm real curious to see how that shakes out. You know, this is, this won't be the first time that that Jim Harbaugh and his staff have kind of used have multiple cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. I remember before Josh Gattis got hired, there was that debate over whether, you know, jo whether, you know, Jim was still the one calling plays. Pep Hamilton was on staff as kind of a quasi offensive coordinator. Even before him, when Tim Drevino was OC, I, he wasn't necessarily calling the plays. It was more kind of a, you know, combined effort. So this isn't necessarily new, but yeah, I'm. I, it's it's always interesting to see how it shakes out because I think some guys have you know specific things they want to do or accomplish, and obviously you want to kind of be the one kind of leading the charge. So it's gonna yeah, conflict is certainly probably part of the part of the process. You're gonna see a lot of different opinions and everything else, but I think the one thing that Michigan did very well last year was you know as a staff they were kind of all on the same page. Now obviously it doesn't mean everything sunshine sunshine and rainbows every day all day, but. Um, you know, it, they're, they're very much united front. And I'm really curious to see if that continues this year. Um, all accounts, I mean, keep in mind, these are two guys that were already on staff last year. They've already worked together. So they have a, be they have a better idea of, you know, kind of what each other thinks and how they want to go about things. And I suspect, you know, in Jim's decision to promote Matt Weiss, you know, he got, he got a grand vision of kind of what Matt wants to accomplish and what he wants to do. And I think, I think the idea is that they're going to work well together. So we'll see. The one thing I would not 
like I, I kept thinking about when before the decision was made to prom, promote Matt Weiss, but I'm, I was wondering what the offensive coordinator decision by Jim Harbaugh meant for the quarterback situation because everything everyone wants to talk about, you know, will Cade McNamara start? Will JJ McCarthy be the starter? And I wondered if that decision, you know, hinged on that. You know, Matt Matt was very much a defender of Cade McNamara last year. You know, he's on record as saying he thinks that Cade eventually could be an NFL quarterback. He's got the intangibles <laughs> and everything else. And I, I'm just, uh, I'm just I, saying, oh, I know, so, I know, I know, I know. So to me, Matt seems obviously to be a, a defender of Cade McNamara. You know, if had Michigan gone a different direction, maybe an outside direction with their for their offensive coordinator, maybe they decide to go with JJ McCarthy. So I'm I'm really curious how if at all, you know, this coordinator. Uh, you know, uh, tandem and whether it matters to the quarterback situation because it's, that's going to be the number one storyline in the offseason. I wrote about it today in MLive.com, what Michigan ends up doing there because you've got two capable quarterbacks, one probably a little bit more talent than the other, but that's not to discount, you know, the other person. I, I think they've got two legitimate starters and they've got a decision to make there. Yeah, no, it, it will be it will be a tough call for sure. And you, you wonder if if someone pulls ahead early in spring, do they name them the starter or do they kind of keep it under wraps until late to kind of try and avoid a, a transfer and keep them both competing until the end of spring to make it a little bit difficult to, to transfer to. So that's, that, that's going to be the, yeah, obviously the number one story during spring. And yeah, I think what spring practice could start at the end of this month, potentially. So it's, it's right around the corner. Yeah, it, it could, you know, I, I reached out to Michigan. Haven't, we haven't gotten this, uh, a full schedule or nothing's I've been told nothing has been finalized yet from a schedule perspective. But remember last year when Jim Harbaugh overall the staff and changed up a bunch of things, they started spring practice is really really early you know it's like mid-february they got going right away because i think jim harbaugh wanted to obviously install a lot of stuff especially in the, the defensive side of the ball but they needed to kind of get the players acclimated to the new staff and that was part of the part of the changes and the grand theme and, and landscape of things so you know the staff isn't as different as it was last year They're, they do again a new defensive coordinator uh, they are going to have you know different philosophy you know at least different offensive coordinators so it would not surprise me if they get a jump here early uh with spring practice just like they did last year for sure let's go back to the the, the grand newsome hire a little bit too did, did that catch you by surprise at all i mean obviously it, harville seems really high on him he's he's been on 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 staff for for a little bit but i mean he's still what 24 years old eh? that's a that's a young young hire right there yeah it did a little bit just because you don't hear his name a ton behind the scenes but when you think about it 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 makes sense jim if you've noticed the last couple years he's been very you know apparent in his hires he's done a lot of promoting a lot done a lot of hiring of guys that used to play at michigan mike hart ron bellamy guys that are guys he's familiar with you know in, in the on the defense side of the ball, it's guys with the Ravens, guys he's been kind of recommended to, guys he's familiar with. So Jim hasn't maybe gone as outside the box as he has in years past, like when he went and hired Josh Gaddis, for instance. Um, may, maybe that's by design. I don't know, but Newsom just follows in that in that path. You know, he's a guy who played for Harbaugh. Harbaugh's very familiar with Jim Harbaugh respects Grant Newsom as IQ and his football knowledge, and I think he sees another potential rising star in him as a coach. So you know, initially it did a little surprising, but the more, like I said, the more you think about it, the more. It just like it makes sense. Jim's trying to keep it in house, not trying to disrupt too much, and I, I think that's kind of how you'd use Grant Newsom. Yeah, good points, good points for sure. Any other football notes you wanted to touch on before we before we move on? Yeah, real quick. Uh, last week, the list of NFL Combine participants invitees uh, came out. 
Michigan at eight. Uh, the combine is March 1st to the 7th in Indianapolis. Obviously, it's a big deal every year. You know, a lot of guys go in there and they do the workouts and they work out for teams and they interview with teams and, and GMs and, and, and the like. Very important week for a lot of guys because some guys go into the draft process with a, you know, potential grade, a round grade, whether it's, you know, early, mid or late. And a, a, a good combine can can really help. Um, you know, you've seen guys in the past, it, it helped like Josh Uche a couple of years ago. And you've got interesting storylines with Michigan's guys this year because Aiden Hutchinson theoretically could be number one pick. David Ajabo right now is projected, you know, top 15, top 20, another first round pick. Daxon Hill's on the fringe there. And a good week in Indianapolis could hurt, certainly help their standing. And, and, and just the opposite, a bad week could certainly hurt their hurt their stock too. Now, I don't see Aiden Hutchinson falling very far, um, but a you know a mediocre week in Indianapolis could, could you know determine whether he's the number one pick or the number five pick. Um, so yeah, eight guys got invited. Aiden Hutchinson, obviously a lot of the obvious ones, Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo, Daxon Hill, Vincent Gray got an invite, Hassan Haskins, obviously, Andrew Stuber, Josh Ross, and Chris Hinton. So a lot of the names you're probably familiar with, guys you 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 knew already declared for the NFL draft. There were two notable omissions. You know, Brad Hawkins, senior safety guy who played in the uh, East West Shrine Bowl a few weeks ago in Las Vegas, did not get an invite. And the receiver, Dalen Baldwin, the uh, the transfer from Jackson State, who played a little bit this year, he did not get an invite as well. So those two, they're going to have a tough time. You know, a a not getting into the Senior Bowl and b not getting a draft combine invite is is not conducive or not helpful. So it's it should be it's going to be a long road up for for Brad Hawk. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think the the Brad Hawkins one maybe surprised me a little bit. Not so much Dalen Baldwin. I mean, he didn't really do much his one season at, at Michigan this past year. But yeah, I mean, Brad's been uh, a staple in that secondary for three four years now for for the Wolverines and not a flashy player, but but a steady steady presence back there at, at safety. So. Uh, yeah, and the, another one, Hassan Haskins, I spoke with him uh, uh, last week a little bit on his thoughts on the combine, and and he's got that that 40-yard dash, dash circled at the combine. He feels like that's going to be the one one drill that really makes or breaks his stock. And uh, as we, as you know, that he, he pulled out of the senior bowl because of a, an ankle injury, says he's close to 100% and believes he will be the be at hundred percent by the time the, the combine rolls around and he didn't, he didn't say what, what time he's shooting for, but he thinks people will be surprised. So we'll, we'll see what he can run there. And, and if he puts up a good time, we know he, he can run between the tackles and pick up yards after carry. He can block. Um, so that's kind of the one that I'm sure teams want to see is like, all right, can, can he pull away from, from guys if he gets in the open field? So uh, that will be another interesting uh, drill there for, for, for Hassan. That, that's the one question mark, I think, with Hassan is his straight line speed. Uh, you know, like you met, you detailed, he can do pretty much everything else. He put up a lot of rushing yards at Michigan. Great teammate, uh, quiet kid, doesn't really get in trouble, probably interview fine. But yeah, his speed is going to be questioned. If he can if he can run well and, you know, I guess even average for the running backs, I, I think he'll be fine. And if he could, you know, be above average, it's probably going to put him, I would say, probably maybe, you know, early day two, mid day two guy. So we'll see. Running backs are always it tricky because there's a lot of them and unless you're like one or two the first t- couple guys you know teams are going to overlook you and wait until the later round so we'll see with him um, but at the same time there's always opportunity for surprise I mean you saw with Chris Evans last year he ended up being what a fifth or sixth round pick when some of, some of us didn't think he was on the radar to get drafted so exactly. and, and you know he's got productivity you know signs a guy who, who will He'll get a lot of reps in the NFL level. He'll get, he'll get an opportunity. So it's, yeah, it's a big week for a lot of guys for different reasons. We'll have a preview 
uh, next couple of weeks, kind of detailing whatever, which, you know, what each player's kind of needs to do at the combine. Um, I, I plan on being there. Uh, a bunch of us from MLive are going down. It's always a big week. It's always an interesting week. Uh, you know, it's one of those events where you don't think, you, you kind of think, oh, it's kind of boring because we're in all these drills and doing all these interviews. Like NFL Network broadcasts them, you know, every day, all day. And it's 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 well-watched. It's it's amazing how big of a deal it was. And like, you'll go to the combine because they'll, they'll do it at like Lucas Oil Stadium where the, uh, the, the Colts play. And, you know, players walk down this long hallway to go to the interviews and the workout sessions. And there are little, like there's dozens, in some cases, hundreds of fans waiting there with like autograph, waiting for autographs, all this memorabilia. It's it's a wild scene. It's, it's really interesting yeah no i mean being there would, would be cool i mean i just i could never envision myself sitting on a couch on like a, a friday or saturday and, and watching people run like 40 times like that just i would have no interest in that ever but yeah to, to be there is, is a different story i'm sure uh definitely so yeah obviously no andrew on the pod today so we're not going to get into too much basketball but uh just when you think that michigan picks up its biggest win in the season storms the court uh after beating purdue and then they uh return are back at home on on what was that thursday against ohio state or saturday, saturday. against yeah saturday against ohio state and kind of lay an egg there lose 68 to 57 so another big game on at Iowa on Thursday, again, close to not must-win territory, but pretty darn close. So big, big game upcoming for the men. The women, surprisingly, have dropped two in a row and now don't control their own destiny in the Big Ten. Uh, a, a close road loss to Michigan State last Thursday and then losing <laughs> losing the tr- in triple overtime to uh to northwestern on uh on sunday so pretty big surprise there i mean northwestern was kind of like in the middle of the pack in the big 10 so yeah michigan needs uh needs some help now and um yeah a big one uh against maryland on sunday i mean right now there's three teams in the big 10 at 11 and 3 and michigan and maryland are both both them and then indiana now leading the conference at 10 and 2 big uh jumbled jumbled for or top of the conference there so some some big games ahead with for for michigan women if they're trying to win their first big 10 title and it, it might not be easy they're, they're going to need some help but they have some three games left maryland michigan state and iowa so uh, they lost Michigan State and Iowa played them pretty tough a, a couple weeks ago. So we'll we'll see what happens there. And then uh, Michigan hockey rolling rolling in the second half of the season. 10, 10 and one since January first. Just swept Michigan State without their top four scorers who are all competing in the Olympics. And they had no trouble scoring against the Spartans. Won six to two on Friday at Yost, and then won their fifth straight duel in the D matchup, an annual matchup in Detroit. At Little Caesars Arena, won that game seven to three. Yeah, didn't have their their four Olympians who were all first round picks, but had a couple of other first round picks step up. Luke Hughes was was dominant all weekend, three goals, three assists, a star freshman defenseman for them. And yeah, they moved up to number two in the national polls this weekend or this week, and they remain number one in the pairwise rankings, which puts them in a good spot to be the number one seed in the NCAA tournament when, when that comes around. So still four, four games remaining in the regular season. Michigan's also looking for their first big 10 title. Obviously the big 10 is relatively new in the, in hockey. Um, but yeah, they have never won the regular season title right now. They also control their own destiny with two series to go. And they got Ohio state at home, huge series this weekend, Friday and Saturday. So stay tuned to M live for 
coverage of both those games. One one comment real quick on the men's team. I, I think they've got, you mentioned the, uh, the game in Iowa on Thursday night, and they've got a road game Sunday at, at Wisconsin. I, I think you've at least got to win one of those, if not both, to kind of keep keep things alive, right? I mean, yeah. we, we talked last week about Michigan needing to like win what, f- what five of the final nine or whatever it is. You know, they, they've certainly got to win at least one of these road games, if not both, because, you know, that that win, the, the, the loss to Ohio State on Saturday was, I would say it was a must win, but like you, after being Purdue and the way it happened, I feel like you needed to capitalize on that and like put an emphatic stamp on like your resume and say, okay, right. hey, we're, we're back. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. They, they just they couldn't do it, and that's just I, that's been the story. I think Michigan's basketball team all season long just modeled in consistency, you know, and consistently, you know, consistently inconsistent. So it's they've certainly got to probably win the Iowa game if not both, um, because after that, I mean, you got a home game against Rutgers, they do get Illinois at home, and then you got Michigan State at home. So there's some winnable games there, especially being in Ann Arbor. But you've you've, you've got to start winning, you know, yeah. start knocking out some of these some of these games. Yeah, I'd say if, if they win one of their two i mean they'll still be in it's not like their season's over if they win one of two they lose both and and their backs are against the wall but yeah i think if you get a split you're you're, you can still feel pretty good because you would have one quality road win out out of this road trip so uh yeah definitely some big games ahead for for all three of those teams it's getting to be it's all it's close to march and you know when what happens in march the madness begins so yeah well plenty of coverage here throughout these next couple of months and, and Andrew should be back on me if, if not the next pod next week for sure so thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you guys soon